hand. So this class is designed to go through the HVAC portion of the TREC standards. Uh, doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, but there's some things in there that some of us, especially if you, either you're brand new or you've been doing this for a while, you kind of forgot or lost track. There's like, this is 90% of, of things are, I'm doing okay, but there's a few things in there I, you know, didn't realize that I wasn't doing. And there's a couple of things we can talk about that are kind of really hot topics, performance of air conditioners or, you know, things like that, that we will key on towards the end. But what I want to do is kind of walk down through the SOP and talk about each one of the things, the things you have to report, the things you have to report as deficient, and then report deficiencies in. Confusing terms, but we'll kind of walk through them with some examples. Uh, and you'll be able to ask questions. Any questions you put on the chat, if we don't get to them during the course, I'm hoping to get them after the class and be able to address those. And we may see about putting those on the website or somehow getting them to everyone. Some of you are really HVAC experts. If I say something that's just really wrong, put it on the chat, let me know. I'm telling you based, things based on my experience. Uh, and and we, all, we all have a few little niches where we know a lot about a certain area. I'm pretty good in energy efficiency and HVAC. Uh, and this will be the test. So let's get started here. Again, we're gonna review the general outline. Sorry if I look away from the camera, the slides over here. General requirements in the SOP, things you have to do, define what is reported. There's things you report and correct that are not a defect, you just have to report them. Uh, what's reported as deficient, limitations, there's specific limitations like heat pumps below 60. And then there's general limitations. I can't get to it in the attic because there's no walkway or whatever. So we'll talk about those. I do not have a lot of experience with evaporative coolers. So that section, I'm not going to go over because the last time I had an evaporative cooler, I was the one responsible with the water hose to put the water in it. So that kind of dates it like 60. But typical home, uh, Inspecting, so this will probably cover 80% of the homes we inspect. A lot of them are either upflow, horizontal. I don't know if there's any other choices, so we kind of hope that's the only two choices you see. No diagonal ones. Uh, and we'll get it. It's, it's the V of HVAC is kind of a stepchild that gets avoided a lot. Uh, we've introduced it into the building code. You see it in houses. You see the ventilation and in the fresh air system. It's not in our standards. I'll kind of go over it briefly so when you see it, you know what the components are. Okay. Three primary areas in the SOP, obviously. Heating equipment, cooling equipment, and then kind of a catch-all. Ducts, chases, vents. Uh, they just kind of divide it up in those three sections. The first one is, and you'll see this on the report, you have to define the type of heating system. Two choices, three choices, pretty much big around here. Furnaces, which are all the gas, LP, natural gas. 
Boilers, we don't see much around here, kind of a northern thing. Heat pumps, we do. Uh, Gas-fired space heaters, don't see a lot of. If we do, it's temporary, portable. Unvented gas-fire heaters, bad idea. Usually very old, but they're still out there. Electric space heaters, electric heaters, predominant electric heaters in this area because gas companies in my area didn't market very well. Electricity was cheap, winters were mild. 90% of the houses out there are all electric. Wood burning, pellet burning, don't see a lot of. I've only seen a few and it was somebody who moved from up north and thought they needed something in our winter and they never even got to use it. And fireplaces, don't see fireplaces as a heating system. But So we have to, we have to make note of the type of system. What we usually see, gas-fired furnaces. Uh, or electric or heat pumps. Those are the kind of three things we see. And you got to put in there, is it, is it natural gas furnace? Is it a heat pump with backup heat? Uh, so you have to list what type of heatings it is. You don't have to go the next level, but you can. You can, you know, define the type of gas furnace. I think we need to know as inspectors the type of furnace because depending on the type of furnace, it's going to have implications in the rest of our inspection. You know, is it an old natural draft? We're talking no blowers. We're talking a wall-mounted natural draft. Heat rises, it just burned it, not real good. We can see where they used to be. Very few are still there. Forced air, most everything we have is forced air. Sometimes it's got that forced draft. Condensing furnaces. I have a condensing furnace, really nice. Don't see a lot of them. But if you haven't, first time you go up in the attic and you see air handler and you see PVC, Schedule 40 coming out of it, you're like, what the heck? Uh, that's a condensing furnace. Mine is a 97% efficient. That means very little. It's so much heat is lost up the flue, they can make it with plastic, PVC. There's a natural draft wall heater. They do make new ones. Some of them had blowers, but for the most part, that was hanging on the wall, had a little fire in the bottom, heat came out the top. We see evidence with a gas stub sticking out of the floor in an old pyramid mouse. Got wolves with there. And they had one of these in each room. It's not central. It only does a room. So you had to have these in every room. Uh, we see these from the 60s or so. Uh, there, it's just natural, uh, you know, it's it's an atmospheric furnace. There's no draft ventilation, there's no powered ventilator. It draws air for combustion in those louvers and it mixes it as it goes up the big opening. It kind of pulls air from this closet and goes up with it. In a perfect world by itself with no changes in pressure, this works. But there's a couple things to think about. You see one of these, it's old. Things you can't see is that burner. Uh, I see one of these, one of the first thing to do, I'm, you know, if I'm running it, everything else looks good, I pull the cover off, I get a start out run, I'm hanging my carbon monoxide detector in one of those first registers. Let me know if something other than regular room air is coming out of it. But that's a forced air, natural, atmospheric, not real good. The problems, you see, it's kind of like the water heater. Heat just rises up the flue. 
challenge is with newer houses, we are creating pressure imbalances with kitchen exhaust fans that go outside, bathroom exhaust fans. The ductwork itself changes the pressure in the house. That unit may shoot 2,000 CFM into the attic to send all the rooms, but it leaks like a wicker basket and you're only getting back 1,500 CFM because you leak 500 CFM in the attic. This house probably has old, rigid ductwork that wasn't even sealed. When you do that to the house, the house is in a low pressure mode. It's depressurizing because this air handler is mechanically sending air out. And when you depressurize the house, it wants to try to balance itself. And it'll balance itself with any openings. It'll, I, I had a water heater, gas water heater like this one in my laundry room. I'd run a load of clothes, turn the dryer on, sucking 300 CFM of air out of that laundry room. It'd make noise, I'd close the door. The laundry room makeup air was my water heater fluid. Couldn't figure out the first year why my top of my water heater was covered in soot. It is now a Renai demand. Get rid of that problem. But these are old, has a problem, they can still work, but they're typically in the house and there's pressure problems that make those have an issue. Coming in the 80s, draft, forced air, draft induced. Got a little fan, you notice, <coughs> excuse me, when you turn on the furnace, first thing you hear is that fan go. It's gonna evacuate any residual gases in that cavity and force air up the flute. And then you'll see the igniter go, there's no pilot. That's nice. A uh, little glow plug like in a diesel truck, cranks up, burns. We wanna see good flames in there. That works pretty good. 80% furnace, that means yeah, 20% of the heat it creates going up the flute. There's always room for improvement. But these are the predominant gas appliances that I see in my area. Next, condensing furnace. This is the Lexus. High, high end. This is actually mine going in years ago. You can see in the middle that little window. It's kind of like a sealed chamber where you can see the flame, uh, but that's about it. There will be two. I didn't get a picture of them. There'll be two three-inch PVC ducts, uh, one intake and one exhaust coming out to the left end of this air handler. And it'll go up into the up through. Uh, it'll actually, a lot of places, it'll combine just before it goes in with a specialty exhaust flue, kind of a triple wall flue that'll go up through the roof deck. This is the high end, it's expensive. It's nice, especially in sealed attics. It doesn't communicate air with the house. Uh, it just heats it. You also have to note the energy source. And people look at this and go, well, they all use electricity. Well, that's for the blower. So they're looking for what is the source of the heat. So the heat can be natural gas, it can be LP, Coal, wood, oil, not much around here. Electricity, heat strips, yeah. Air source heat pump. So three energy sources, could be a heat pump, could be electric, just heat strips, or it could be natural gas. The intent is what's creating the heat. 
If you say heat pump, it probably has heat strips as secondary, and I say that. Uh, and that's pretty simple there. Again, a review, types of heating systems, predominantly around here, we're, we're seeing more and more heat pumps, but heat pumps are electric strip uh, and some gas furnaces. We don't see many of the others. Boilers, really it's nothing more than a really big water heater and a pump and it's sending it to all the radiators. I can see that now. Some of the others we don't see, but they're there. And there's where we put it on the report. Very easy, type of system, heat pump. Energy source or type of system, or the type of system may be a, a furnace, a natural gas, it may be electric. Okay, truck standards. We have to report as a deficiency, and it starts in the heating section, and then it goes to electric, and it goes to a few others. So inoperative units. My my definition of an inoperative unit is not one you couldn't get to, not one you didn't have gas to, but one you, for all intents and purposes, you were able to start up, but it didn't work for some reason or another. Maybe a fan came on, uh, the draft fan came on, burner came on, but it just wouldn't light, uh, or the fan didn't come on. So for whatever reason, just didn't work. And we're not talking duct work. We're not talking, like I say, no electricity or anything. Uh, it just didn't work for whatever reason. It didn't start up if it's an uh, electric. This is for all heating equipment. So if it's electric strip heat and it didn't produce any heat, that's easy. What if it only produced a little heat? You know, it's got a sequencer that'll turn on the strips one at a time, depending on your demand. Maybe it only turned on one strip, and you notice you only have maybe a 15 degree heat rise. I usually expect a lot more than that. Uh, so I'm, I would probably, we're not required to, typically what they do is pull the electrical cover, or the cover off the, where the heating elements are, guys will put an amp meter on them, we'll check them, that's all HVAC guy. You're just gonna say, and I don't have any problem saying it didn't produce what I was expecting. Um, for a heating, I usually see when you first crank that thing up, you can easily get 40 degrees of heat coming between return and I use the closest supply. I wanna see as close I can to that air handler and I'll try to figure out the closest one and give me some standard. If there's a difference between the closest register and the farthest register, it's not the air handler, it's not the unit, it's the distribution system that's an issue. And I'll look at that when I get to the distribution system. Deficiencies in the thermostat, either it's not there, or batteries are dead, or um, you know it's, it's hanging out the wall, usually talking physical problems. Every once in a while you run into one that's locked out. If you haven't figured out some of the brands and how they lock them out to make them teenager proof so they don't kick the air conditioner down to 70, that can be a problem too. Inappropriate locations. Here we're talking uh, primarily problems with fuel-fired gas furnaces. Those are gonna be the issue. 
those locations are going to be a problem. Get to that next one. Yeah, here's a little more. So complete stoppage on inoperative partial component problem, mounting, batteries, programming on the back to the thermostats, just just uh, just real quick. Some of the new thermostats, a nest I can deal with. Some of the newer ones, you walk up and there's no lights, there's no switches, and there's no nothing. You 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 almost have to kind of feel around on the thermostat for that sweet spot to turn something on or does something. It's not impossible to find one that you just can't figure out how to turn it on. That's going to be a problem. Sometimes I'll phone a friend real quick, look at this. How do I turn this on? It may come down to, I don't know how to turn on this HVAC. Kind of embarrassing, but some of this new technology, people are sometimes putting Wi-Fi. It's run by an app. And it has no local ability without maybe taking a cover off or doing something. Inappropriate hazardous locations, primarily again gas, and hazardous areas that have, you know, flammable fluids, dust, debris, fibers, things that you don't want to be sucking in and burning. There are some prohibited areas, obviously sleeping rooms and bathrooms, toilet rooms, storage closets. And we're talking those rooms plus rooms that communicate air, like a bedroom closet. You can't say the closet's not in the bedroom. Either. Same with bathrooms. Uh, not a big problem. Usually I see this in a garage conversion. Had a gas furnace out in the garage, now they converted it to a big master suite, and they still got a gas unit in the garage. That's a problem. You don't usually see them put, usually a gas furnace is in an old house, it's in a hallway, it's in the garage, it's in the attic. Those are usual three. Rarely do you see it in any one of these things unless there's been some renovation of the house and they change the configuration of the rooms. Lack of protection. Uh, in the garage, I know here in Texas, in our area, if you see it in the garage, it's not sitting on the floor. It'd have to be raised 18 inches anyway. We usually see it in the closet. I don't care for them out in the garage, open access to the garage, because their handler typically leaks, ends up sucking garage fumes into the air. It's just a bad place to put the air. But mechanical damage, I guess the idea was some people might put it on the ground in the garage where, like water heaters, where you can drive into it. It's in the standard. Stephen, yes. a question here. Did yes. you get specific on the report as to why it was un, uh, inoperative? I try to describe what I did. You mean as far as I turned it on and it didn't light? I would say it. And a lot of times, if it's something that's, and maybe it's more CYA, but if it's something that's unique, like, oh, it worked before. Well, I'll turn the thermostat on. I'll hear the draft vent come on. I'll see the igniter glow. And 30 seconds later, the igniter goes out and quits. And it's got gas. Gas valve is on. I can't figure it out. I'll explain what I did to try to get it to run and what didn't work. 
you know, the igniter went, the draft came on, and it just didn't start. Is it going to make that much difference to your client? Typically, no. But that client's going to give it to a contractor, and that's whatever you put in there is going to help them. Nothing worse than just a one line. You gave work. And the contractor, now he's got a free ticket to charge or do anything. He replaced the unit. No, all it was is maybe there's a restriction in the gas line, uh, debris, or you know something in the, I call it the carburetor of the, of the gas unit. Maybe there's something wrong there, but try to describe what it is so that when it's handed off to a contractor, they've got a starting ground of, of what, to, what to do. Yes. Think that works? I hope you still hear me. It's hard to see. I don't see a response from people that, like, hey, they're here. Uh, Good, Steve. Keep going, buddy. Okay, no problem. I don't even see a hand. I guess I, I. So the next section, report is deficient. Burners, burner ignition devices, heating element switches. Something I didn't know was in there. Thermostats, not 18 inches off the lowest garage elevation. I didn't know why that's in the standards. Uh, unless it's listed for ground. <laughs> so that's a unit. Units and thermos. I guess it's talking all the components, how you do Senate structure here. So when it's on the garage, it's got to be at least 18 inches. If you were in the earlier pre-cover class, I may have said, I like to see if it's in a garage, in a platform, I'd like to see it at least 30 inches off the floor for practical purposes. I want on the other side in the house be able to put an adequately sized return. I want to, to uh, be able to provide for that because if you put it at the minimum 18 inches off the garage floor, go to the other side of the house. If it's 18 inches off the floor, it's probably on a two by four. So now we've lost three and a half, four inches and it's probably got base trim. So now we've lost another three or four inches so now we've got a return opening that's only five inches tall. And this thing whistles like a NASA wind tunnel because it's not breathing. I like to raise it as far as I can and still get in there and wedge the units, the air handler, in before it hits the ceiling. Usually that's the restriction is how tall is the air handler? So how high can I put the deck before it hits the ceiling. Usually they keep it a few inches away the ceiling so I can drop the plenum down from the attic and connect to it. And the same with the water heater. But you want to do that. 18 inches, not a problem. Okay, we crank the house, we crank the burner up. Gotta take the cover off really to do this. If it's a condensing furnace, you might be out of luck. You might be able to see it in the sight glass, kind of like looking in the sight glass of the new water heaters. You can't get a good view like we can in the old 50% water heaters or 80% furnaces. I like to look at the burner. I watch it start. I may stand back a little. I've been excited. Look at the look at the flame, and what they want you to see is: Does it have a good flame? Does it have a good blue flame? Is it blowing anywhere? Before I start it, I'll actually look in in the traditional draft form you saw there earlier. With a flashlight, 
and look down the burners and see if there's a lot of rust residue. If it's piled all the way up, you know, half full, I'm going to say something. If it's got much debris in there at all, I'm going to say something. Two things come to mind. Where is it coming from? Uh, they make them real thick because they know they're going to rust, kind of like cast iron drain pipe. They know it's going to rust. They make it thick so it lasts longer. But if I see a lot in there, or like in a water heater, if I see a lot of residue on that big round burner, it's coming from somewhere. That means that wall is getting thinner and thinner, and it actually comes, it could open up and share air leak into the breathing air that's being heated. That's going to be a problem. So I'm looking for a good clean burn. Ignition devices, they're kind of automatic now in the sense of, you know, they're glow plugs. Older ones are going to have pilot lights. Do we like pilot lights? We don't have to. Most inspectors I've talked with will light a pilot light if everything else looks okay. And it's probably off because nobody's there and you're the first one to come in all summer long and they just had it turned off uh, or the gas got turned off and maybe the gas company didn't have an opportunity to come in and start it up or they did so they turned it off here or no so there are a lot of inspectors that will like the pilot light. heating elements hey steve yes i can interrupt you we've got one question Sure. So what is a minimum supply temperature that's considered good temperature versus temperatures to low for heat that should be called out? Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know that I have seen, and there probably is something that Internet has a real good class on HVAC systems. There might, I mean, I typically see around 30 to 40 degrees on heating. I mean, it, it might be, 75 or so in the house and a lot of my registers i go around and look at them if i don't see a hundred degrees coming out of the register and it's been running for a while i start getting suspect and i'll look at the closest one to the farthest one and but a lot of times i'll see 40 sometimes i'll see 50 degrees difference for a heat is there a set number I'm not fixed on a number any more than I'm fixed on a number for cooling without some kind of sliding scale. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it might not be as hot or cool, but for the most part, if you can get real close to the air hanger, like there's typically a register that is real close. I mean, you see the air handler and you think, oh, right on the other side, that's got to be a real short cut. So I'm getting it pretty close from the plenum. I would say if, if I didn't get 25, 30 degrees, I would be wondering if it's gas, it's probably not a problem unless I see a burner's not right or I see real bad flame impingement or something. With electric, kind of like electric, you can't see electric. You don't know why it's not that hot. It could be only one or two of three or four heating strips are working, but if I don't get, you know, 20, 30 degrees of heat on a heat strip, I might put in there, okay, it worked, but it wasn't what I was expected. And, you know, I'd talk with the client and say, hey, you know, we might recommend having an HVAC guy look in, in the, in the, with the thought that maybe all the heat strips aren't working. 
I mean, some of those old draft hoods, it's real easy to open up. I mean, the uh, not draft hood, but the older electric, old green electric, it's real easy to open up that electrical compartment and just kind of look. And I typically do just because it's not uncommon, those old ones, if they've been there a long time, you see burned wires. And I mean, you'll see the wires to the heating strips and then you'll see the over temperature sensors and you look for burned wires. It's not uncommon to, to rarely do you see there hasn't been somebody in there splicing, changing wires. But I mean, if you see something wrong in there, it's really a, a problem. Uh, but more likely than not, if you're not getting 20, 30 degrees of heat in the electric furnace, when it's run for a little while and you know it's everything's warmed up, you're probably not getting all those strips. And really an amp meter, probably would help tell you that because you can look on it. It tells you how much each one of them pulls. They say, okay, all three of them are working with 15,000, there's three 5,000 watt elements in here. And this unit's only pulling 5,000 watts. Clue. I mean, there's things you can learn in your experience, you know. And I, and a lot of times I find something wrong. I write it up. Find out who who went out to be repaired. I don't have a problem calling them up. Who'd you find? Tell me what you did. Show me what you did, or tell me what you did. What'd you find on that house? I found two elements burned out. Okay, I kind of store that in my my hard drive. Okay, that that's kind of the symptom. That's a good chance of what it was. So, but yeah, 20, 30 degrees. You really, I you know, heat is not affected by outside air temperatures like air conditioning is. So regardless if it's 100 degrees outside or 20 degrees outside, other than a little chilling of the ductwork in the attic, you should get the same performance out of the unit as far as temperature rise. Uh, report the absence of an opening to get to the equipment, repair and remove. Nothing worse finding one of these puppies they put up in the attic. They did it during renovation when the sheetrock was down. And there's maybe a way to scuttle in there to the attic to inspect it. There's no way to get that thing out if they had to replace it. And remember, we're talking the biggest component is the air handler. The other parts you can take apart and stuff. So you need that air handler to be able to get down and out. And we're not talking a little closet scuttle hole. Uh, if it's in the attic, I want to see some pull down stairs. Uh, now they may be pulling the stairs out of that rough opening to get that air in there and out, but basically you can do it. Stephen, we have a, a question. Yes. Does a written requirement for delta T temp differential exist anywhere? I have seen it recommended, I have seen recommendations that vary widely from 17 to 21 degrees to 15 to 22 degrees, but nothing in black and white. That is true. It, it, it is not in our SOP any more than making a performance opinion for the foundation. Those are the two things that are the biggest challenge to new and old inspectors. So you have to, you have to make an opinion on whether or not it's cooling. And, and I actually got towards the end, I have a section where I actually talk about that. Uh, 
the numbers typically come from enforcement where someone and and sometimes some inspectors put temperatures in the report and they also put the standard that they go by in the report that's fine if everything works don't put in your report that they're supposed to be between 15 and 20 degrees and then report 12 degrees and don't say anything that's happened and it's like oh come on so if you put a standard in there and you intend to put what you got i would also say where i got that at because it's going to vary unless you're poking holes in the plenums you know if you got some temperature gauges and you put one in the return and maybe you open up that updraft in the closet and you see there's a little bitty pencil size hole in that supply plenum where somebody else has done it yeah you might you could put it so if you got temperatures on either side of that coil you would be the most accurate and you still would not have anything in the standard to reference to 15 20 degrees yeah we've seen it and trek came out and their standard that they go by are some of the inspection training reference books that are used in the schools where they talk about it. so that's where it's come from it didn't come from trek and it came from trek trying to answer a question of a client complaining that he didn't say my air conditioner and i say he there's he the, the inspector did not say the heat the air conditioner was not performing but our house just does not cool off it runs 24 hours a day there's something wrong sometimes you just outrun it in 104 degree days but usually what happens is they'll call an hvac company in and they'll say no brainer it, it you need a new unit or it's not performing it's it's you know we're only getting 10 or 12 degrees they're poking a hole in that plenum because they can they're licensed and they're getting 10 or 12 degrees well the homeowner turns around and now they're trying to reach the inspector and if they don't get any recourse there they complain to trek and trek's like okay they're tasked with performance how are we going to evaluate if that inspector did the performance so they went back to the training manuals they're recommended used at the schools and those manuals give depending on who you read 15 18 14 20 right in that range and that's what they've used it's not in there anywhere it's not in our truck standards anywhere but i can see if we're going to establish performance kind of where a commentary would be kind of nice what do you use we'll talk about it a little more at the end uh, but that is a problem Back on track here, floored patches wet passageway. If the unit is not in a closet, in the garage, it's up in the attic, gotta be able to get to it. I wanna see 24 inch, you know, four by eight sheets split in half. Give me a walkway to it. Give me a couple feet in front of the unit. Give me a light, give me an outlet receptacle. Deficiencies in mounting performance of window and wall units. I don't know. How many have had window air conditioner units? Follow the manufacturer. If you read, if you, and, and I used to cruise Home Depot reading 
those reading installation manuals and stuff like that. People used to look at me funny going around taking pictures of them, which you can read installation manuals on some window units. And they may tell you, okay, use the window itself to hold it temporarily, put some braces under it. So they're looking to see efficiencies and mounting and performance of window units. We probably all know somebody's had a window unit fall out of the window. Wall units, don't see a lot of wall units. Those are the old gas units up on the wall. Most of them have been removed, but it's possible they're still there. Uh, deficiencies in mounting, since we don't have to know all the manufacturer's requirements, it might, you know, you, you might just be looking at it in a kind of a generalist type view. Is it secure? <laughs> Not that you go up and yank on it, move it around. Do your best to look at it to see if it looked like it's secured. If you have a question, what's awesome with new little smartphones and pads, you Google that manufacturer right there and you can find out what's in there. Standards say you don't have to know the manufacturer standards. It doesn't restrict you from using those if there's especially a, a safety issue. Performance issue, yeah. Safety issue, fallout, yeah. Still by the manufacturer. Uh, requirements for electric heat, specifically, not gas. Performance of heat pumps, it's kind of like air conditioner. It's just an air conditioner running backwards. Or an air conditioner is a heat pump running backwards. Yeah. So the heat pump, I typically find heat pumps put out a lot more heat than an air conditioner puts out cold. Probably because it has supplemental heat. That if you just go in and your first clue that it has a heat pump is usually a thermostat. Usually see three, three positions, cool off heat. You see cool off heat, emergency heat. You know at least you have a heat pump thermostat. And you know, okay, you're probably going to be checking heat pump if it's below 60 degrees. You might be checking uh, the limit. I get, I get lost here talking real quick. But so if you can check the heat pump, if you can't check the heat pump because it's too hot, you should be at least checking the backup. There's no restriction on electric strip heat. Other than you get some looks from the occupants when it's 98 degrees and you're like, I got to check your electric furnace. You'll get some looks. You, I just want to see where it cranks up, heats, and puts out some at the register. I'm not going to run it a long time. I put it in the report that I didn't run it a long time, but I wanted to make sure it just heated. Distribution system, I can evaluate with air conditioning. So you want a performance in the heat pump. Uh, performance in the heating elements. The only way you're going to be able to tell there is how much heat. I, again, like earlier, if I turn it on electric and I see a 10 degree rise, more than likely I just, I'm hanging by one ever. If I see a you know, 15 or 20, I'm kind of suspect. If I see 30 or 40 degree rise in electric unit, I'm probably thinking typical one with three heat strips, probably working. So I've, I've got to, you know, say if I don't think it's performing. Conditions of the conductors, that's the wires going to them. Uh, their limited visibility, they, they come in usually out of the ceiling, it'd be nice, they all have disconnects. A lot of contractors, if the unit's in the attic, it's about 50-50 on whether or not they have an equipment disconnect in the attic. 
I personally think there should be. They put them at the outside unit, they should put them in the attic unit. Uh, it's just a safe thing to do, and depending on how you read the code, it should have a discount. But the wires, are you going to read the wire sizes and then open up the cover and look at the maximum wattage of all the elements running at one time? That's excluded somewhat in the in the standards. Here, we're not really talking size, we're talking condition. Are they beat up, cut, burned, look like they've been overheated? That's what we're looking for there. Requirements for gas. Gas leaks, not required to have sniffers. We've got a few, but they put that additive in gas so you can sniff. Uh, and that's kind of what they're looking for. In a closet, if it's leaking, when you first open the door, you kind of stick your head in. I smell anything funny in here. That's gas. Flame impingement, we talked about that. Uplifting flame color, scale buildup. Definitely want to look at that before you start it up. I look at that on water heaters and on furnaces. Absence of a shutoff valve. Not much of a problem. I do find some old antique valves hard to get to. I might recommend replacing the valve. Usually the flex connector, yeah, you got the old brass connector, maybe a problem. I like the, the new flex connectors. And the connector should not extend into the air handler. It should have a steel little stub out, connect on the outside, should have a, a the uh, flex, cutoff, all those little components, drip leg. The drip, some of those components are not in the standards. So you, if you did not report the absence of, say, a drip leg, it, it's not one of the components specifically you're looking at. Uh, and it came up recently, and, and I believe enforcement did not pursue it because it was not in the standards. So, Good things happen sometimes. Requirements for gas, the absence of a gas appliance connector or one that exceeds six feet. I don't find that much unless they've, re they've renovated the house and moved the unit. Uh, so the unit usually stubs in, got a flex connector because it has a motor, it can be rigidly connected. Concealed within walls, I don't run into that. Uh, extended through walls, floors, partition, ceilings. I don't know if I've really seen that, but yeah, I'd look for it. I want to see it in the same room as the unit. Requirements for gas heating also, combustion air, dilution air, shutoff valves, we talked about access, access to shutoff valves, unlike a stove where it might be behind there, it's not easy to get to, but I can slide out and get to it. I don't, I should not have to move anything in the mechanical closet to get to a shutoff valve. It's usually on the side, uh, easy to get to. Do I test them? Not unless, I, not unless I really suspect something, any more than I would test the shutoff under a bath lavatory, water. Some guys check every shutoff. I don't unless I really am suspect something wrong. Uh, combustion dilution air, yeah, if it's inside, especially if it's inside the house, I want some combustion air ducts. The typical high and low goes up into the attic, 
They like to have Berman screens over them. They got to stick up above the depth of the insulation, plus say another foot. Uh, and they can be screened at both ends. The idea is just to communicate air. Stephen, yes. I have a couple of questions for you here and I'll ask both of them and that way you can discuss them. Uh, would you call a thermostat deficient if it was a heat pump thermostat but did not have a heat pump or vice versa? The second question, what do you mean by uplifting flame? Oh, well, I'll do the first one. Uh, the first one is I do see homeowners see a quick sale at Lowe's and Home Depot for thermostats, and it's not compatible with what, especially uh, years ago, not compatible with the equipment they have. Maybe they have a heat pump and they got a sale on regular thermostats. And this is the most common. You go there and you on the outside walk, you kind of look at the condensing unit and it's a heat pump condensing unit. And you look at the soil number on the, or the, the model number on the inside, it's a heat pump, but the thermostat is not a heat pump. And it's like, okay, we've got a problem here. They say, I don't know that any of them, I mean, most of the new thermostats now, when you do a setup, it's in the program. So in the setup, you can tell it, is this a, uh, a gas or electric furnace or is it a heat pump? And it's in the programming. Uh, but if it's not compatible with the equipment, that's a deficiency in the thermostat. And I've seen it where, I know this is a heat pump. These are heat pump model numbers. I have a non-heat pump thermostat. I cannot test uh, the emergency heat. And sometimes I will turn on the heat and I know it's a heat pump because I put it in the heat position and the outside condensing unit comes on. So I'm heating with the heat pump, but there's no way to turn off the heat pump and check the standby or emergency heat because there's no selection. That's a thermostat problem. The, and I don't have any problem yeah, uh, writing that up. It's gotta be compatible with the equipment. Now the other one, what was that? It said something. So this this is copied in oh, uplifting flame. Flame impingement. Typically I see when the debris or scale is sitting on top of the burner and it just blows it out a different way. Uplifting flame. That's a good question. I'm gonna look at it. The specific definition, I'm not gonna guess at at what that means. It's in the standards, somebody wrote it in there. We could probably ask Brett if he knows. But I'll look at that and we'll, we'll put that on some of the questions that get answered on the, uh, after the class from the chat. Combustion, dilution air we do look at, shut off, shut off valves. Gas appliance connectors, we all, no, we don't like to see those old anti-flex connectors. We don't like to see them extend into the air handler. Vent pipe, draft hood, proximity to combustibles, vent termination. So I want to follow that, that flue all the way up. I want to see it not touch anything combustibles that go through the ceiling. I want to see uh, that flashing at the ceiling. When I go into the attic, 
I don't want to see it buried in insulation. I don't want to see duct, flex duct, wrapped around the flue trying to get to some other direction. I want to see it all the way up and I want to see flashing. I don't want to see it touching the roof deck as it goes out through the roof. And when I'm up on the roof, I want to see it sticking up on the roof, high enough and secure. So you're kind of looking at all of those things right there. The vent pipe, raft hood, uh, not really movement, any movement to the old atmospheric raft. I mean, you can look in there and see it. At the first time I saw one, I said, what is this? I can, I can feel the heat. Now, some guys, when they run the draft hood, there is a simple check. And we used to use them with these little sticks called matches. And you can light a match. And I even had some smoke matches that you light, blow out, and they continue to burn smoke. And it was just for this. So if the unit's running, and you've got a little smoke generator, or it's not got one of those, but you run it in front, the smoke should be drawn into the draft hood and up through the flue. It's coming the other way, we've got a problem. Not required to have a carbon monoxide detector, but if I'm in a gas house, I've got a little battery, portable one, that I put in my pocket, and I kind of leave it running the whole time I'm in the house. Um, it's just one of those precautions. Requirements for cooling other than evaporator report the type. Now it's kind of like the furnace. What type? We got room air conditioner. We're talking window type. Room air conditioners, they can be heat pumps also. Evaporator coolers, I don't see them around here. Go 100 miles west, you start seeing them a lot. Ductless mini splits, yes. Starting to see those more and more often. And whole house central forced air. Could be electric heat pump uh, split. Uh, I usually do describe that as as either you know forced air whole house. Sometimes it has two of them. They have a room air conditioner for somebody who has special needs and needs extra cooling or heating. Uh, it might have two units. If it has two, I say it has two, and it might have a unit and a ductless to cover or supplement like a room air conditioner used to. I mean, I, you see all kinds of combinations. Whatever you have, put it in the report. That's all this is. You're not saying anything's wrong. You're just saying what's here. Uh, and here, we'll, we'll talk about that highlighted one. That's the most con contentious one. So an operative unit's kind of like a furnace. Turn the thermostat on cool, slap the gauge all the way down to the bottom and wait. Most of them got a delay and you wait and 20 minutes later you notice nothing's happening. I got a problem and first thing I usually do is go make sure it has power. Does the air handler have power? Is it convincing? Has everything got electricity? Well look at that. Uh, so is it inoperative? Sometimes you turn it on, air handler cranks up, fan starts blowing, you go, cool. Well, second half of that is split system, go outside, see if the condensing unit is right. I've had people pull the disconnect. I've had people steal the plug in the disconnect. Now I'm in trouble. I can't fix that because I don't carry spares with me. But I know the air handler is running. I know the furnace is running. I have no idea about the air conditioner because the condensing unit didn't run. Any of those things didn't run. If I didn't have electricity, it's a not inspected because I didn't have power. I'm not saying it didn't work. 
if I have power at everything and it's not cooling, then we're in that second one. Inadequate cooling is demonstrated by performance. In my opinion, there are enough things that bury that performance, primarily humidity. And if it's a heat pump temperature outside, uh, that that number is a floating scale. You know, really humid? You know, you put cloned houses, in El Paso, Amarillo, Fort Worth, somewhere, and then you put a clone in Houston, other places have humidity 30, 40, 50%. Houston may sit at 90% in the morning. You turn on that AC, it is mainly, it's spending a lot of its energy dehumidifying and little energy cooling. You will not see a cooling performance for the same unit. It's not apples and apples. So a statewide 15, 18 degrees gonna have an issue. We'll address that a little more there. Uh, apps? I have a couple of questions for you. Let's go for it. Okay, is a ceiling required in an air handler furnace closet? It is common in older homes to find the ceiling missing. Does the lack of a ceiling provide enough combustion air for a gas system? It's a, that's an argument I've had. Okay, so a ceiling missing, to me is a ceiling missing. Any, any more than it's missing in the hallway, in a bathroom, anywhere else. You got a ceiling missing and I put it in the ceiling section. I might, there's, there's times where I put the same deficiency in two places just to get their attention, but ceiling missing is a problem. You got vermin, you got critters, you got everything in the world coming down in the house. All you gotta do is tell the wife one time that mice running around in the attic can come down in the house because there's no ceiling in the closet, it's getting fixed. The <laughs> other is kind of the argument, well, I need combustion air in a closet anyway, and the easiest way is just knock part of the ceiling out. It's not very big, it's weird shaped, it's going around a plenum, it's got little pieces, it still needs to be there. You, you need ventilation, but it needs to be controlled. Okay, so providing ventilation by getting a two by four and knocking the ceiling out, it gets you combustion air, but it does it the wrong way. You need a ceiling. You're supposed to have fire separation between the house and the attic. Now, obviously combustion air, all the reasons that combustion air, all the reasons not to put a fuel fired appliance in the house, that's one of them, is you don't need something that's, you know, in the old days, you had a vented door that would pull combustion air from the hallway. Can't do that anymore. The door, I recommend, if I see a unit in the house, in a closet, and it's got a two-inch undercut in the door, and it's got a return right below it, here's a scenario. That air handler comes on and starts sucking air. It sucks all my, from under the door. you got a, maybe an atmospheric drafting furnace. It's sucking the exhaust, and very efficiently sending it to all the rooms. That's a problem. Uh, I like them outside the house if they're gas, outside the living space. If it's inside, I'd like to compartmentalize it and seal it. And that includes the ceiling. It does not need to be freely communicating other than the combustion ducts that are just the minimum required there. You don't need to take the whole ceiling out. And I do write, yeah, a lot of times, that thing is wedged in so tight, it's sweat, it's, it's, it's leaked. 
it's gotten the ceiling so wet that it's fallen apart and nobody's gone in to replace it. I'm there to I'll put that in my report, the ceiling's missing. Okay, and I've got two more questions and I'll ask both of those and let you answer them. How do you test temper temperature differential on a split mini unit? Second question, are flex ducts in contact a problem? Temperatures on a mini split. I mean, you still have the same ability and it probably brings up a question. I don't know that I've been checking to make sure that I'm getting temperature. So the mini split still has an intake. It's kind of like in a hotel room. <coughs> hotel room's kind of a heat pump package mini split built in your wall. But it always has a, if there's air coming out of it, there's an air coming in. A window air conditioner has air going out, air going in. So you can always get a differential. Is that differential, should it be the same as a whole house distributed system? I think it ought to be a lot better. You know, if I only got 10 degrees between the intake of the mini split and coming out, I really think, because most of those are like 26 sear, they're really efficient, they're, they're usually pretty new and clean, you don't find old worn out mini splits. So I think you should still check the temperature. You're supposed to check performance. You need to be able to explain how you check the performance, how you checked off that it's, how you didn't say it wasn't performing. You're not, you know, you're not making a statement, it worked real good. You're making a statement if it doesn't perform. But you need to be able to justify how you did it. I don't think there's any difference and getting that general overall condition with temperature in, temperature out. And the other question was, oh, the ducts touching. There can be a condensation. So I don't know that the manufacturer, I actually keep, in a, and I scanned in, I can't see it now, I scanned in like the instructions that come in the ductwork or in the, in the uh, installation. It doesn't, I don't think I saw where you can't touch. I've heard people say that, well, when they touch, there's a condensation potential. It's probably more in older ducts. It just had R4.2. I don't know where they got that R value. It's kind of, the issue comes around the condensation sweating like a glass of iced tea. You run cold air in there, you've got a hot humid attic, you can condense on the outside, they will always condense, but the thought is in the attic, that condensation is going to evaporate almost immediately. So any condensation just going to, you know, evaporate into the air, and you don't notice it. But then if you start stacking the duct together, there's no airflow. You could have some condensation. So there are situations where you got a real good efficient air conditioner, you got a really hot attic, you got really bad work as far as insulation quality or quantity and the potential for them to sweat if not allowed to freely you know air with airflow around them they can sweat I've seen ducks sweat enough in uh, in an attic to drip so that could be an issue I mean I I haven't ever written it up as a defect 
when I see a big ball of ducks, I'm usually feeling around them because I turn it on. I turn the unit on one way or the other. So when I'm in the attic doing an inspection in the attic, the lower air handler is running. So I'm feeling for air leaks. It's usually air leaks. So if you got air leaks coming out of a joint, coming out of the plenum of the collar, that cold air, wherever that cold air hits is gonna sweat. And it's the same with ducts. If there's leaks in the ducts, they're, they're, they're gonna sweat in a hot attic or in Texas. Uh, if somebody knows of a direct manufacturer prohibition to having the ducts touch, I don't know. Manufacturer just seem to have them laid out on the on the ceiling joist and be buried in insulation. Uh, that's kind of preferred as far as energy efficiency. Barium R8 is kind of inadequate anyway. When the house has R38, we only give R8 to the air that cools the house. What's wrong with that picture? But which, I've, I've heard people say that. Yes. What causes the units to have excessive mold and mildew on the plenum and cabinet in the attic? Air leakage, condensation. So if it's, if you've got little air leaks in the joints between the plenum, the air handler, uh, where the collars come to get, collars go into the plenum, it's typically, it's more of an issue when it's outside the condition space and you're in environments that are hot and humid. When that cold air comes out, it will, it will condense. Nothing's in the air, but it condenses. And then you start, that wet surface starts picking up debris. And that's what starts growing. I mean, you've got, you've got all kinds of, of debris suspended in the air that's organic. And when it sticks to something, it's, it's the same stuff that starts growing on your aluminum windows. When they sweat in the winter and you don't clean them, whatever, and you think, where's all that mold coming? There's a lot of organic material just floating around. We're sloughing skin, we're breathing with dog. There's all kinds of stuff and it sticks to wet things and your aluminum windows, your ducts leak, your plenum leaks. It makes something moist, it sticks to it. Now we got oxygen. We got moisture and we got organic material, the three components to biological growth. That's it. Uh, so the condensation, the answer is condensation is the issue. Typically it's from air leakage coming out. Just like aluminum windows conduct temperatures, ductwork typically moves so fast it may not conduct, but it'll leak air. And that's where you get condensation and growing stuff. Oh, same, same exact absence of floored passageway. Requirements, other requirements, noticeable vibration, blower and fan, real old ones. You pull the cover off on an old ream or something like that, electric unit. You look at that blower and it's a big squirrel cage blower and it's just a vibrating and it sucker collects mint and dirt for years. Nothing worse than those old units where you got to pull the front cover off to get to the filter that's laying down the bottom of the air handler and they've lost the little clip that holds it down. They got a brick of two by four holding the filter down and maybe nothing. So when it comes on, it lifts up and you get unfiltered air going the unit. It goes through the fan first. The fan will collect it. Picture a ceiling fan in a room 
It's never been cleaned for years. It's the same stuff, except that air handler fans going a lot faster and it's like a wheel out of balance. So, uh, auxiliary water. So standards say if you see water in a secondary pan, actually it says primary and secondary, I don't know if we mean primary pans, but secondary pan, you see water, it's a defect. They have gone further to say if you see evidence of water, it's a defect. I kind of agree, uh, although the evidence could have been a previous leak, and I don't know if anybody goes to trouble of cleaning rust or stale out of a secondary pan, but if you're there in off season and you see evidence, you can see a water line where it was in the pan, you don't know. It's kind of like you see a ceiling stain and it's not wet, but it hadn't rained in a month, you don't know if that leak is active. You're not gonna be there to run the air conditioner long enough to know if it's got an issue, and that's why the water stains in the pan. So I say, and, and Trek has actually, uh, I think cited an inspector because there was evidence of previous moisture in the pan and he didn't note it, and it was, my guess is the situation was off season and it wasn't until the spring when they started running the air conditioner and found out, well, it'd been leaking. It just didn't run it long enough in the winter to know that. Missing or deficient refrigerant pipe insulation, always an issue outside. Weed eaters chew up all the insulation on the low pressure line. If you've got a crawl space house, it needs to go all the way to the unit. If you hopefully it's in a wall, it goes insulated in a wall. If it's in an attic, it should be insulated. It should be insulated. Only thing that happens in an attic is typically mice will chew it up to get to the pipe so it'll sweat when they get out of water source. And you go up there and you see little pieces of black insulation all over the floor. You got two issues. Uh, dirty coils. If you can see the coils and they got debris on them, I make a note of it. If it's really bad, I really make a note of it. Uh, in a lot of units, you can't. A gas unit can't see the coil. Only way you could see that is probably move the flue and try to open up the cover, and that's the bit beyond our license. I'm not going to do anything to move a flue. Disconnect the flue, take it apart, uh, just to look at the coils. I put in the report, even though it says uh, looking at the coils were accessible, I make it known that they were not accessible. So I don't know the condition of the coil. And if the seller couldn't tell you any, provide you any maintenance, and this house is 25 years old, it might be worth getting a guy to come look, getting somebody to come look at that coil. Because they will get very dirty. Condensation, condensing units, lacking adequate clearance air circulation. We're talking outside. Manufacturers have different requirements. The smallest place I've seen six inches. Some of them, you know, they'll say six inches on one side or two sides and open on the other. You just don't want to see one right up in a corner, real close to the house and maybe a fence. I mean, think about it. It's sucking air in the sides and out the top. And more air is better. You want to see those things up off the ground? I don't want to see them 
the pads down in the ground, especially if it's a heat pump. Heat pump's mandatory but three or four inches above grade because in the winter, those things get cold and they can freeze. And you don't want to be sitting in water. But I'd say get them out of water, get them off the ground, just out of water and moisture and everything else. Uh, level, they need to be level. The pads, if they get out of level, is there a degree? I don't think there is. I haven't read one, but if it's out and everybody's got a smartphone with a bubble app on it, I'll put it up there. And if, if it's a few degrees, if it just looks when I look down the side of the house, it's out of level. Remember, the refrigerant in the compressor is where the lubricating oil is. And if it's leaning to one side, it's kind of like driving your truck with all, you know, prolonged on a slope, all the engine oil goes to one side. Not a good idea. That's why they want them level. Drain, condensation, yeah, condensation drain. This is like physical problems, not just evidence in the drain. So now you've got a break in the line. In the past years ago, mechanical code didn't require condensation pipes to be glued. They have since remedied that. Now, condensation drain pipes that PVC typically used is supposed to be glued. You should not be able to pull them apart. People used to trip over and pull them apart, didn't know it, until they started seeing the water stain in the ceiling. Uh, so breaks and notes. It should go to a highly visible place to the occupant. You've seen them above windows, front patio. Now, when you drive up, you go to the front door, you see that condensation from the secondary pan over the front door, and they've gone to Home Depot and got more pipe and extended it all the way down, and it's going in the front garden, and you see water running out of it, you know you got a problem. The secondary is acting as the primary. So you kind of, those are clues you get as you're walking around. So you want to, you basically want to make sure the pipe's all in, and you might not be able to visually see it, but you can see it in the attic unit. You can see it, okay, goes to the left, disappears under the insulation. I should see it somewhere on the left side of the house. And deficiencies in thermostats. I think here they're talking the physical ones, like it's hanging off the wall, it's missing, beat up, again. And again, I'm passing on the evaporator cools, and we'll get an expert from El Paso to do that, because I don't know evaporator report is deficient damage in duct systems improper material uh, flex duct came on board early 80s in our area so we went from rigid duct to the first grade flex duct which was not compatible with uv light so from about 82 to 85 we used in a lot of houses around my area. And if those are still there, they peeled like a snakeskin. And it's left the insulation and maybe the duct exposed. Very common, mid 80s house. Uh, we see it all the time. Late 80s, we start coming out with a better flex duct. And that's kind of what's been used since then. Problems and damage, there's usually snagging, pulling it apart, holes. That vapor barrier on the outside is just that, a vapor barrier. The air is sealed in a liner, like a big six inch vacuum cleaner hose on the inside. Uh, usually the damage you get to those is 
physical damage from somebody stepping on it, sitting on it. And you get that with the old solid duct in houses 60 years ago, three and 12 pitch, not a lot of space to crawl around in an attic. And you're usually crawling over and you will find, and more often than not, rigid duct that's kind of oval shaped. It's not oval. If it's oval, it may restrict flow. And uh, so we've got to note damage in those ductwork. Missing duct insulation, vermin are the biggest critters up there. They will chew through it looking for moisture, water, being warm in the winter. Uh, and that's the most biggest common there. Absence of airflow, do go to every room. Not talking putting a low hood on the register. It's simple as you know, holding your hand up in front of it. Do you feel air coming out? And that's what you're you're looking for there. There there have been times where a duck has been pulled off. You look up through the register and you can see the roof duct. Uh, but you're looking for an absence of flow. Most often it's a restriction in the attic. Somebody's really through the attic, they had them suspended. Maybe one of the ties fell, and now it's got a restriction like a tourniquet from the other joints because of the sag. Hold on a second. Uh, presence of gas piping. I've only found one HVAC plenum that actually had a three inch sewer pipe going right through the middle of it. Kind of rare. I think they put that in there just to say if you ever saw a plenum, and it wouldn't be a flex duct, but if you saw a plenum with any kind of sewer gas piping going through it, it's a defect. Uh, pier and beam house, manufactured home, ducts, plenums in contact with the earth, no brainer. Can't have them laying on the ground. Uh, deficiencies in filters. I see a filter just plain dirty. I've, I've changed filter. I've opened them up and had a seller looking over the shoulder and didn't know that filter was there. So I've been there a few years. So deficiencies in the filters, usually sizing, could be just been in there too long, need to be changed. Grills, registers, usually what you see, they just get dinged up. They're not secure to the wall. They've been bent, furniture hits them. Location of return air openings, typically the old prohibited, not in the kitchen. Now our kitchen is not well defined. What is a kitchen? It's open for you know, a certain distance from any cooking appliances. So you don't want to have, you're not supposed to have them in like bathrooms or places where you wouldn't want to be sharing your air from. Can't take them from outside the house. Can't have, can't have your mechanical system heating and cooling the garage. So any place that parks cars cannot be heated, cooled, or returned the same unit that does the house. It can have its own. Fresh air, there's a quick on the ventilation. There's a fresh air system. Uh, if you have one, it's you've got a few ways to do fresh air. The most common is using the air handler. Very expensive in the long run, but it's easy to put in. They just tap into the return plenum 
and they put a electric damper because you don't need it all the time and they put a filter because usually it's beyond the filter which might be in the ceiling and then you run it and you want to get it from a good clean place you don't want to pull it from the back patio right above the stub out for the gas grill uh, most people put it in say the front patio or in the side socket somewhere and you've got a controller does say mechanical code says if you're using the air handler for fresh air you have to weigh it has to be controlled and it needs to be able to be disabled by the occupants when they don't want pressure that's a very common honeywell but it's it's pretty easy uh, it programs in you put in the size of the vent how much air it's moving how many people live in the house square footage and it computes the ashray 62 standard for fresh air and it'll actually turn on the air handler even when the thermostat is off or turned off or not even it'll pull it on just to bring in fresh air and the idea is don't have grandma's old house where she never opens the doors or windows and it's stuffy but it has a way for you to disable it if you've got kids you get fresh air uh, you don't need mechanical ventilation if you've got enough natural ventilation from people going in and out of doors but the fresh air system is there worst case is somebody stubs it into the return plenum sticks the other end out through the roof and there's no damper no filter that's an air leak and you're just pulling in air from outside unfiltered uncontrolled can't turn it off kind of like every time you get in your truck turn on the ignition the window comes down with the intent of giving you fresh air whether you want it or not no you got a control there's the filter and there's a controller so if it's there you need to have all the coverage we don't have to program digital thermostats they don't check the refrigerant now if it's running the air conditioner is running I'm not getting anything I'll go out and kind of feel the high and low pressure and if they're not hot and cold I kind of think there's a pressure a refrigerant problem I don't necessarily say it say it's not I don't expect a unit to give me cold air if I go out and I feel the low pressure line and it's not cold I don't think I'm going to get any cold air and I'll just say it's not working Winterize, I don't know how you winterize a furnace or an air conditioner, but I think that's kind of a general caveat. Duct fans, humidifiers, dehumidifiers, a lot of these specific things we don't have to check. We can if we're specifically trained on them. You can market yourself for doing those things with the right training, but de-icing, we don't have around here. Some do. Uh, electronic air filters I might make a note that it's there multi-stage they're just sequencers those are what tells the unit how many of the heat strips to come on heat reclaimers the only thing I know there is de-superheating where you might see a, a heat pump it's connected into your water heater it's using the heat from your compressor to heat your water heater only seen a few of them got one up the street where I live but rare setbacks we don't play with setbacks if i can't turn the unit on without i will usually leave a note if i think i messed up the thermostat for the occupants you don't run the air conditioner when it's less than 60. you don't run the heat pump when it's hotter than 70. Uh, radiant heaters steam unvented i don't know much about those but there's a restrict those temperature issues so our sweet spot for doing home inspections with a heat pump is between 60 and 70 degrees i can check everything out. 
We don't have to verify components. You show up and it's got a brand new condensing unit. You go inside and it's 60 years old. You, you might find poor performance in some, but you don't have to say those are not compatible. Tonnage beyond the scope, unless you have specialized training and you want to go there. Accuracy with thermostats. Well, I know mine's off about four degrees. I just know it. Integrity of a heat exchanger, that's going inside. Anything real old, I might question the heat exchanger. Sizing, I've seen guys really try to get into it. My house is 2,400 square feet. I got a one and a half ton. With the right house, the right envelope, that can work. Getting into sizing <clears throat> is more of a performance of the house, not a performance of the HVAC. It's like putting the wrong size engine in the, in the wrong size vehicle. That mean the engine's bad, it was just the wrong choice. Balancing airflow is air to different rooms beyond our scope, can be done. I do it more of a troubleshoot. When people have rooms that aren't working, I'm looking at the amount of flow coming in that room, seeing if it seems realistic. And materials, types of materials contain it. We don't know what kind of insulation. Most of, most of our stuff is wrapped in fiberglass. I don't know if they wrap. I guess some of the old solid duct could be have, could have some hazardous insulation on it from 70 years ago. A uh, couple of FAQs. Uh, we're doing for time. Absence of a drip leg deficiency. I took these cut and pasted right off the FAQ page on track. Uh, like I say, the drip leg, kind of know what's supposed to be there. Combust, absence of combustion air in a closet. Uh, they're they're kind of saying it's not always a deficiency because if you had a condensing furnace in the closet, you wouldn't need combustion air. So it does depend on the design, but unless it's condensing, condensing it needs combustion air. CSST, mere presence of it. So we you notice, yeah. Do you say? And some people have the thought if there's any CSST turn and run. Well, I've got it in my house. I've got black pipe, I've got yellow CSSD, I've got black flex gas. Well, as long as it's done right, they say it can be okay. Uh, you just gotta, you know, you do your best to ensure by the standard that it has an electrical bonding jumper and don't look exhaustively for it. It should be somewhere obvious, usually where the gas stubs out. You don't see it, make a note of it. So if I got gas, even if it's a portable LP tank, it just does the fireplace. It's got a metal gas pipe. I'm looking for that bonding. Olfactory, okay, looking for gas leaks. Basically saying, yeah, smell it. If you're not required to get a gas detector. Some guys do. If you enter an area where you do lots of gas houses, it's probably worth it to get a gas detector but you're not required to. And they're talking about the shutoff and access to a shutoff. Kind of the same answer there in a couple of them. A uh, couple of things, absence of a disconnect outside, guys have gotten trouble for, gotta have a disconnect. May not be dedicated, it could be the breaker in, these, in the service entrance panel if it's within a certain, you know, 25 feet. Uh, deficiencies, that's where somebody got, got noted for having rust in the secondary pan didn't report it. Standard says water, evidence of water, I can understand. 
the last thing I'm finishing with here is the uh, performance of the air conditioner. Air conditioners, if we were all looking at brand new ones and a 50% humidity on a 70 degree day, we could probably come up with standard temperature. Other than that, that temperature is going to be a floating scale. Units degrade over years. Some studies, three to 7%. Uh, the higher performance on the lower end, the cheaper ones on the higher end. So, you know, kind of a rule of thumb, as rule of thumbs go, three ton unit, you know, 20% in five years, 40% in 10 years, 60%. The reason most people have noticed it is because most HVAC guys oversize so much, they've made up for that. And they'll tell you, well, that way, 10 years from now, they won't complain because it'll still cool the house because they put that V8 the whole time. Humidity has a lot. Nearly impossible to compare apples and apples in different parts of the state with different humidity. High humidity will have lower cooling performance because it's working on the latent heat. Uh, inspecting vacant homes. Yeah, it's vacant, it's hot, it's humid inside the house. You turn it on. It immediately starts taking the moisture out of the house. It's not cooling. I don't know if you could say you could run it for hours before you stabilize with what it's truly performing, but it's not going to perform as well as when it's occupied and already got most of the moisture out of the house. That's a problem right there. It does say in the standards, like you read right there, performance definition, acceptable industry standards. Okay, that's great. With consideration for age, norm, I don't know what normal wear and tear is and ordinary use, but age has a lot to do with it and humidity, temperature has a lot to do with it. Um, so you need to use those things to make a judgment. There's been times where maybe 10 degrees, 12 degrees is probably as good as this thing's going to get because it's raining, it's 100% humidity. And you can almost see, you know, frost coming out of the grills. It's so humid, not frost, but moisture. But anyway, you got to look at that. Um, and barring any questions, how are we doing, Miss Brenda? You're doing good, Steve. Keep going. Any subject areas, I kind of went through thinking I was going to have a few more questions. What kind of, of uh, areas would you like to expand on of all of those areas? I mean, the performance is tough. People do. So if, if like it says here, if the temperature is warmer than 70, and you're supposed to check the performance of the heat pump, you can't. And whether or not you come back and do some of these things, it gets cooler, or you know, you can't check the air conditioner when it's less than 80 or 60. And it might be less than 60 when you start the inspection in Texas. We don't get a lot of days around here where it never gets up to 60. We get a few. Uh, 
you know, it may be one of those things where you just do things out of sequence and do the air conditioner at the end. Uh, and the same with the heat pump, you might do it first thing and it's the, the coolest before it heats up. Okay, Steve, we've got a couple of questions here we can run by you. Yeah. Uh, what's a proper way to have a sediment trap installed? Is that a trick question? So I've, I've seen guys posting them upside down, sideways, but typically it, yeah, it just comes down and just before the transition from the flex connector into the rigid, say an air handler, you'd have like the, I think it's in the manufacturer's instruction, where it'll kind of show that little drip leg. And the idea is to catch uh, solid material that might be in the gas line without trying to push it through the little small orifices in the carburetor, I say, of the, of the unit. Because we don't, as far as I know, we don't have sediment screens in the air handle. The belief is it'll just burn anything away, but if you get something very big in your gas line, which you could when we do repairs, open lines, I mean, we do boil only when we do water lines and they break and the water company, but if the gas line breaks and they redo it, you tell them what gets in that thing blows all the way to the end of yours and the drip loop is designed to kind of catch it. You figure there's some trip of momentum to carry solid things into the drip loop and clean air would make the turn and go in the air handle. That can work. Okay, so <clears throat> another question says, can you go further into further detail on the primary drainage to the sewage vent and also the P-trap requirements on the primary? As far as I know, the P-trap requirements are a manufacturer thing. Uh, a drain into the sewer vent pipe is something I, I see, I do see. Usually what you end up seeing is you look in a bathroom lavatory and you got this extra little hose or pipe that comes out of the wall and stubs in just before the trap. And you're like, wow, uh, sometimes I rarely have seen them in an attic stubbed into a vent pipe. I mean, they use the word vent pipe. Let me see where I can find it. So they, so they do say, you note as a deficiency of condensation drain, presence of gas or sewage. Yeah, I did have a drain. I interpret that as any part of the sewer drainage system. Because the scenario, usually you can, you can describe a scenario where they run them into the bathroom laboratory. And I ask an occupant, what is the most common sink or the common drain that gets clogged up? And they might say the bathtub. I say, what's the second one? Like, the bathroom sink. So you have this scenario where you run in your primary condensate into the bathroom sink, which if it gets clogged up, the unit does not stop making condensation and maybe you're not there to notice that it's filling the bathroom sink, overflowing, and there's no place to go but the floor. And I say, why do that to yourself when you can run that condensation probably from the attic right out of soffit and down in the ground, even in a retrofit? 
So I do make a note. If I see a condensation going into any part of the sewer drainage system, I make a comment that it is, and it has a defect. I, I just think the scenarios are too bad. The, the, the actual wording makes it look like the vent portion of a drain, which is above all the fixtures, uh, and might think that anything below that might be okay because it's a wet drain anyway. But there's too many scenarios where that plumbing can get clogged up and condensation does not stop. It's like a condensation pump. Didn't talk about that. Condensation pumps. If you see one, make a note of it. There have been guys cited because they didn't make a note. It's not a deficiency to have a condensation pump. Usually see it in a retrofit or an area where they've moved the unit and they didn't have a way to gravity drain or drain out. You, you, only, you only really see them in upflows in a closet somewhere. And they neglected to put a pipe to drain the condensation. So they put it in a pump or they catch it in a pump. It's kind of like a little back uh, toilet bowl valve. When it fills up, it turns on a pump and it goes out. In theory, if it's got electricity and it works and it's not clogged up, it will pump out the water because if you don't have electricity, the AC wouldn't be running either. You want to make sure it's got a primary electrical outlet. I don't know where it's going to go. It's probably in the garage. It's GFCI protected. And if that GFCI's in with your shop stuff, it trips. Now your pump doesn't work. All kinds of scenarios, sellers need to be aware there's a pump. And you might not know if you've got a filter that's built under your air handler, you wouldn't be pulling the grill off. You might not know. I peek in the grill, the return grill under a deck, just to look how much stuff is down there. And if I see a pipe, and a lot of times you'll see the condensation go down and you'll see another quarter inch copper or plastic that comes up out of the deck and heads up through the ceiling. That's a clue. Uh, but yeah, you should note presence of a condensation pump. Uh, I think I got those. Yeah, one comment out of the El Paso area says we see the condensate drains connected to vent pipes on roofs quite often. Well, I mean, it's some municipalities require it to go into the drainage system for nuisance. I mean, they're, and some municipalities, Kalina, I think you're, they prohibit it because the aggregate condensation from 50,000 air conditioning units puts a lot of extra water on the sewer treatment plant that does not need treating. So they actually do not want you, especially in the commercial world, do not be putting the condensation drain in your sewer. It just adds to the load of the treatment plant. So they looked at it that way. It, it, it has too many problems and you also have a health hazard. Think about this, what's in the sewer pipe? Bacteria. Go up on a roof, look down a vent pipe. If the house is very old, you're gonna see stuff growing. It's a science experiment. Now you're connecting a condensation hard line of condensation with no air gap, and that bacteria will start going backwards in your primary condensation drain into your air handler. Do you want that in your air handler? Well, I'm voting no. Uh, 